Howdy, folk, and welcome back to another episode of the toughest podcast on the World Wide Web, the WWW with the CKE, the Calf Kick Experience. I'm your host, Zach the Gordito Bandito Gleason, here with my homie, my brother, man, my big dog, and my partner, as always, Gage the Texecutioner Hammy. How's it going, brother? Well, after losing a bunch of money last week, Kind of fucked up, but you know what? That's the great part about this sport. It's every week, all year long. And, uh, you know, I guess you could chalk it up to ring rust last week. You got to ride the roller coaster, man. There's ups and downs and ups and downs. And last week was a little bit of a downer, but we're on the rise this week. We are. But let's talk about a fucking hard-hitting fight last week, our main event. Holy shit, was that, like, that was, uh, like, to start the year off, you could not have had a better main event. That was a fucking ass-whooping. I just mean, I, I think I think my thing this year, one card in, see if we can keep it going. Just, I, I looked, looked for a theme last week, and my theme last week was game plans get the job done. Calvin Cater came in with the perfect game plan, he got in Giga's face the entire night, basically nullified the Giga kick. And sadly, as it might have been, especially for those of us that picked him, we learned when the Giga kick's not landing, when Giga Chikadze is not moving around and standing at distance, kind of turns into a punching bag. But uh, kudos to Calvin Cater for coming off an ass whooping, getting back to the drawing board. And I don't know what's next for the guy, but definitely a top contender because that was a fabulous performance. Definitely see him and Yair in the future. But <clears throat> regardless, that just showed how fucking good Max Holloway still is. Holy shit. I mean, the way he dismantled Giga like that, and he got dismantled by fucking Max last year. I mean, I didn't see anything that like jumped off the charts like, oh, this is new and different from Calvin Cater. He just executed. And he's a tough son of a bitch. That's for sure. It was just definitely interesting to see that both Ortega and Calvin Cater got the shit kicked out of him by Max Holloway, took a year off, and then came back and put on a banger of a performance. Ortega beat the crap out of Zombie. Calvin Cater beat the crap out of Giga Chikadze. It's like Max Holloway is genuinely baptizing people with his fists. Everybody not named Volkanovsky. Well, we'll see about that, punk. We will, we will. But other than that, I mean, nothing really else to talk about besides we did shitty on picking fights, right? Well, you know what they say. When you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere to go but up. We shit the bed last week, so it seems like we're going to have to do some extra work this week to make our way back into the green. But I think I have it in me. You think you got it in you? It's worth a fucking shot. Let's give it a try. And without further ado, let's get into this week's fights. Coming up with our first event in the main card, we got Rodolfo Vieira versus Beef Wellington Terman. It's a middleweight belt bout at 185. Vieira is coming off um, a win where he looked impressive and he really put to bed the issue of his cardio and his only loss prior. Uh, Rodolfo is coming at 
six foot with a 73 inch reach built like a fucking jack dinosaur and uh beef wellington tournament on the other side coming at 17 and five the underdog he's uh six foot as well with a 72 inch reach these guys match up extremely well um they have similar styles both are jujitsu aces although rodolfo is much more credited in the jujitsu world winning you know world championships in abu dhabi type shit and just putting a fucking beating on anybody that wants to take it to the ground on the feet though both him and Terman, nothing to sneeze at um they're both just kind of average maybe below average but it's gonna be interesting uh i don't know for a pay-per-view event this is kind of a dud to begin the main car that you're gonna pay for well, no kidding, especially now that the pay-per-view price increased. What was it, like 10 bucks? It's $75 now? Yeah, it's bullshit. I'm paying $75 for that. I can't tell you guys where to stream a fight. I can't endorse streaming a fight. But I can acknowledge that streaming a fight is an option. That being said, uh, I pretty much agree with everything Gage said. You know, with, with the Black Belt Hunter – I think cardio was a big concern up until his last fight. He lasted through against Stolfis pretty well. But I think you look really good in that fight. I was about to say the gas tank, I mean, he looked significantly improved in terms of game plan. Because for being an older guy, he's grappled a bunch, but he's fairly new to MMA. You know, his whole thing is he's just good enough on the feet that he can keep you there long enough to get you to the ground. The thing about Terman is he's got like He's got a great takedown percentage. It's, it's over 80%. I want to say over 85. But Terman's mostly fought strikers. He hasn't really fought a whole bunch of wrestlers. Vieira's going to want to get this fight on the ground, and I don't see anything special enough about our boy Beef Wellington that says he's going to stop him. So I think Black Belt Hunter first-round chokeout. Yeah, dude, look at this fucking picture. you telling me he's not on some, eating some horse meat or some shit? Let's well, that you. picture compared to the other one. Yeah, this dude is eating fucking trimbaloni sandwiches. All right, son. I mean, compared to Beef Wellington, that dude's a freaking. What do you, you mean, call him? You mean Beef Wellington? <laughs> you know what we call him that? Because he's softer than some shit that comes out his mama's oven. Jesus Christ. Dude, we're just making enemies along the way. Both these guys. I don't know. They're not in contention. They're never going to touch top 10 status, I don't think. Uh, I think Rodolfo is a lot closer. But, you know, they'll put on a grappling showcase. I mean, that is probably the ceiling of this fight, wouldn't you say? Well, I would just say that Rodolfo Vieira reminds – don't take this the wrong way. This one's not meant to be an insult. But heavier, buffer, more entertaining – what Dana thought he was getting when he signed Ryan Hall. I mean, like, the dude, once you show one teensy-weensy little opening with a limb or a neck, it's it's over. Yeah, there, it, there are no mistakes with this guy. Yeah, his jiu-jitsu is literally probably one of the best in the world. Um, he'll snatch a neck. He'll snatch legs. He'll snatch arms. Um, his main issue, like we were talking about earlier, is just his cardio. But he seemed to improve it his last fight out. He didn't gas out. 
unlike his only loss. But in his only loss, he was chasing the finish super aggressively in the first round and didn't get it. And that's probably why he gassed out. But if he can overcome that again, I, I don't see any way he loses this fight. Although, that's, a, that's a really great point, actually, just in terms of like, yeah, when there's that scramble situation, I, he got caught by, by Fluffy Hernandez, but I definitely don't see Terman being enough of an issue to cause a scramble situation. I think once he's on his back, he's stuck there. But also at the same point, you know, you have two grapplers and they both know they're grapplers. What does that usually end up turning into a fist fight? So I just don't see it being that entertaining from a fist fight perspective. If it's going to turn into that, somebody's swinging bombs and somebody's going to get probably knocked out, especially how big these guys are. Look, I, I'm banking money looking upwards at this card that Vieira gets in there and gets it done pretty quick. Well, I don't expect this fight to last very long. Excuse to be Wellington. <laughs> All right. What the what the betting cards are looking like this week. We got Wellington Terman, the underdog, coming at plus 200. Uh, and his counterpart, Rodolfo Vieira, coming at minus 200. So, sizable favorite. Um, Zach, I know you want to see the prop bets for this. For So, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the submission. Uh, both. That is about as low as you'll see for a submission prop bet ever. It almost makes me not want to pick it, to to be quite honest. I mean, there's value in it, obviously, because it's plus money, and I I think it's what's going to happen, so I'm going to bet money on it. But the fact that it's so low almost just makes me think that it's a trap, makes me think it's a little bit of a tease. I also think that the over-under one-and-a-half rounds is really low which just – I want to say under one and a half rounds, but I think I'm probably going to lay off of that one. I think I'm being a little bit too speculative there. I mean, when you have somebody winning inside the distance by even money, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. I'm not going to lie. Let's see what Vieira by – I mean, there is – there's some value there at plus 420 for Vieira by decision, which could totally be a thing. But considering how we think this fight is going to play off, play out, if this ends up on the ground, it's not going to go well for Wellington Terman. You know, I don't yeah. really, I, don't, I mean, maybe if you're confident that he's going to get the submission, but again, submissions are not as easily a, to come by in the UFC as TKOs. So. Look, just to just to put some things in perspective, I'd like to check this same bet when we get to the main event. So four videos up from now if you're on YouTube. But Vieira wins by submission in round one is only plus 320. I would love to compare that to what Nganu wins by submission in round one looks like in the main event. Just to put into perspective how good these guys are on the ground. Exactly. Well, that pretty much does it for the uh, Portuguese Brazilians. On to the next one. (laughs) Fight number two, Cody Stamen versus Syed Nurmagomedov. 
Yes, he is part of the vaunted Nurmega Meda family, but he is quite a different fighter than his most famous counterpart, Habib. Cody Stamen, though, he's coming at 19-4-1, coming off two losses in a row. Um, he's 135 in the bantamweight division, of course, coming at 5-6 with a 64-and-a-half-inch reach. And Syed Nurmagomedov is coming at 14-2. Um, he's coming at 5-8 with a 70-inch reach. So height and reach advantage going to Nurmagomedov. And this is an interesting one because when you hear the name Nurmagomedov, if you don't know anything, you know, if you're not real deep in the MMA, you think a ground and pound um, fighter that's going to take people down and keep them there. That's just not necessarily the way it goes with all the Nurmagomedovs. You had the one in the Bell Tour. And then this one, who Syed is a very good kickboxer. I would almost say probably one of the more elite kickboxers that I've seen in the bantamweight division. Um, not up there with, of course, Sean O'Malley and uh, Corey Sanhagen. But Jesus, this guy is throwing question mark kicks in one of his last fights like there were nothing. And he was hitting all his shots. And he's put somebody down by, by a liver kick, too, which is fucking crazy. But, you know, Cody Stamen, on the other hand, is just a fucking animal when it comes to wrestling. Uh, he's probably one of the best wrestlers in the division, and he can get a motherfucker down. And, of course, like we always say, Zach, wrestlers versus strikers, advantage goes to? These nuts, because I'm picking the Russian. Fuck you. The, ah. the advantage goes to the wrestler. Um, and Syed has shown issues when he's been throwing big power shots to overextend himself and when he's throwing kicks to overextend himself and get caught and he's been taken down and he does not get up very well and he doesn't take people down. I mean, I'm into scoring points. I'm into not getting taken down. What does Syed do? He gets taken down and he can't score points like that. So I'm taking Cody Stamen here. I think he's going to get him down to the ground, but if this stands up on the feet, Cody's fucked. Well, I couldn't have said that a whole lot better myself. Saeed is a freaking dope kickboxer. The dude, like you said, that liver kick was awesome. Any back for- liver kick for a KO. I know. I know. This dude, I mean, he's the real deal. I know we tend to say that about the fighters that come out of the Nirmaga Madoff camps. But, I mean, he, he's serious, man. I want to say Usman is the one in Bellator and Umar is in the UFC with him. But Usman is also a really good kickboxer. So, I mean, these guys are working with a really diverse group. And my whole, my whole theory is that when you go through a fight camp, however many weeks, I mean, Saeed's only problem really has been inactivity. A lot of these guys don't fight as frequently as maybe they should. But when you go through a whole fight camp for a guy that you know is an incredible chain wrestler with a bunch of Russians, I guarantee he's seen 5 billion Cody Stamen-like shots. I I think he's going to be in a good position with the wrestling to keep this on the feet. And like you said, if this stays on the feet, trouble awaits for Cody Stamen. I mean, we both hit it. We both see it the same way. But it's just... I've saw when I was watching the tape of Syed Nurmagomedov, 
how easily he gives up the shots because, you know, at 135, you're not that big, right? And he's a lot taller and a lot more lanky. Cody Stamen, a lot more stocky, right, for 135 pounds, even though it doesn't sound like that much. But, I mean, when he's going to throw those big shots, he's, he's, he's going to be had to be very disciplined in the kind of shots that he throws to not get taken down. I'm just betting on that's not going to happen. He's going to extend one too many times because Cody Stamen has a fucking chin on him. That last fight versus uh, Marab Davashwili, what the fuck is his name, the Georgian? Mm-hmm. That guy's a fucking bad motherfucker. And he's he stood in there. Yeah. He stood in there and took all he had. So I'm pretty high on Cody Stamen coming off two losses. You know, when you see that, you're obviously worried. You got to think mental health and kind of the mental aspect of fighting when they lose two in a row. But I'm rolling with Cody Stamen, the Spartan. No, I mean, I can I can absolutely see that if, if Saeed's going to have issues, it's going to be, like I said, with the ring rust. I'm interested to see who's going to be in his corner, like who's going to be managing the fight for him and, you know, kind of trying to tell him where to be and what to do. Because I think one of his biggest issues, like you said, is he throws those power shots and overextends because he's always looking for the knockout. He's, he's a super aggressive kickboxer when he sees the opening, and that's why he's got, what is it, TKO spinning wheel kick, if, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, spinning he, he – back kick, yeah. Yeah, well, he also has mad power in his hands. He'll put people down with his hands, so, I mean. No, I agree, but I think, like you said, Cody, Cody Stamen is stout. He's got a great chin. He's, he's a good guy. I mean, this is a good weight for him. He's where he needs to be, and he's a badass. I mean, he's a stupid tough dude. So I'd like to see Saeed Nurmagomedov be a little bit more responsible with his gas tank and plan to fight for three rounds because I think this one will probably go to a decision. Unpopular opinion, Saeed Nurmagomedov is Dagestani Sean O'Malley without all the antics. And you're going to pick against him. What a bastard. What a bastard. The third fight of the night is Michelle Paella versus Andre Fialo. That's how you say it, yeah? Or am I fucking sure? Fialo. Fialo. All right. Michelle, this crazy fuck is coming at 26 and 11. Uh, coming in the welterweight division, 170, six foot one with a 73 inch reach. And Andre Fialo is coming at 14 and three making his debut in the UFC in the welterweight division, coming at six foot with 74-inch reach. This is an interesting fight because when you get Michelle Faella in the ring or in the octagon, he goes absolutely nuts. And is this canceled again? No, this one I think is a go, isn't it? No. Anyways, Andre Faello is fucking power puncher from everything that I've seen and read. His last win coming to a KO knockout versus former uh, UFC fighter James Vick. And, um, man, I'm excited. Both these guys are power shot. They're looking – I mean, Michelle's really a showman. And I'm excited to see what Andre has to offer, especially with the, with the debut in the UFC this high up on the card. I know Michelle is a showstopper, but – it's pretty impressive when he says that. 
I mean, impressive is the best word you could use. Quite frankly, I think this one will probably turn out to be a more entertaining fight for all of us than the originally scheduled Pereira versus Muslim Salikov would would have been. I think Pereira probably would have gotten out of there and would have gotten done. But, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Fiala. Obviously, this is a whole different level of competition. He's walking in like Chris Moutinho did debut on a big pay-per-view card, first pay-per-view of the year. So, I mean, adrenaline's going to be running for him. I absolutely I respect the power on him. I'm really tempted to pick him, but I think when it comes down to it, Pereira isn't going to get put out of there in the first round. He's going to make it out of the first round, and at that point, he touches so many guys up because he's so crafty with the striking. I don't see him getting the finish by anything crazy, but he'll no outstrike him by a mile. No backflips? Well, I'm sure there'll be a backflip. I just don't know if it'll actually cause any damage. That's the thing. ESPN clips all of these crazy strikes. Some of them land, but hardly any of them ever hurt anybody. Yeah, that's so true. He had one crazy one, didn't he, where he, like, ran off the cage and punched somebody on the ground? Yeah, it was like an inverted Showtime punch almost. Yeah, it was. he's crazy. Um, again, when, with the knocks been on him, Michelle Paella, is that his cardio is not there, kind of like we we're talking about Rodolfo um, in our first video. But he seemed to fucking beat the cardio last time out versus, who was that, Nico Price? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a good fight. I mean, he showed, he showed it all. And I know he has – 11 losses but you know, i think if he can get his cardio in check he has a chance to you know bang with the best one and maybe just be entertaining maybe not fight for a world title but see here's, here's my paradox and why you know typically i don't pick michelle Pereira with the way that he strikes and the way that he does things he wastes a lot of energy there's a lot of wasted movement and you know it's crazy jump out run and jump off the cage just to gain distance and end up back in the exact same spot I ended up in. Like he does a lot of things in there that just obviously would drain your gas tank. So I'd like to see him be a little bit more responsible, but at the same time, all of that weird shit is what makes him flow. And I think it's kind of what makes him good. I think that's the reason he ever has any success because he's in there doing weird shit, keeping himself on his own toes, much less his opponent. So I don't know if I'd want to put the muzzle on him too hard, but I'd like to see him be a little bit more responsible with his gas tank this time. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I think he was versus Nico Price. He didn't do anything super, I mean, crazy, right? Not that I can remember off the top of my head, but. Well, I think I think Nico Price was pretty dangerous for him. I think that was definitely like a, for every weird thing that I can do, so can he. I'm interested to see how his mindset is coming in against a, you know, UFC debut guy. Well, that and, I mean, shortened fight camp regardless. And, you know, you know, you haven't been training for this guy. And a lot of fighters like to say, you know, I don't watch film on him, blah, blah, blah. That's complete bullshit. If you're smart and you're an intelligent athlete in any capacity, you watch what your opponents do well to pick them apart. But how do you think Trevor Whitman does it? Ladies and gentlemen, secrets revealed here on the calf kick experience. Intelligence is key in this 
muscle dummy sport. Use your noodle. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, we have Andre Philo coming at plus 240 underdog and Michelle Pereira coming back as minus 270 favorite. Heavy favorite right here for Michelle. Um, Zach, you seeing any prop bets? Um, I haven't quite looked. I just find it interesting that I, it seems like Vegas gives Fialo a puncher's chance. Because plus 240 coming in on like 10 days notice, I want to say. Nine days notice-ish. I mean, plus 240 is not bad at all. Plus 420 plus 420 for a knockout. I mean, I think we can probably – I think there are a few ways to victory. But plus 420 victory for Philo is kind of big, wouldn't you say? I mean – I think that it's it's definitely it's possible. I, I, I am very hesitant to pick Pereira because I could absolutely see it being a first round, first punch, five second fight kind of knockout, if you know what I mean. One of the ones where he goes and gets interviewed and then gets a whole bunch of fans and we don't quit talking about him until the next time he fights. I mean, absolutely could be the case. But, I mean, I'm not really – That's not how I see it, though. I mean, I'm not really keen on any of these props here. I mean, nothing's really just, like, taking my attention. I mean – I was about to say, I I called Pereira by decision at plus 225 down here. I don't think that that's horrible at all. And even minus 270, when I'm pretty confident that we're going to get a dub here – I think that's a pretty good parlay piece. I don't think that that takes your odds down much. And like I said, I'm pretty sure he's going to win. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you're not confident in a parlay, take prior up KO at plus 200. And you throw a shot in the dark, plus 420. Kind of even everything out. I mean, you're going to come back with plus money regardless, depending on how much you put put in. But I think you could probably – I'm almost confident this is in and KO, Zach. Um, I think you hedge your bet. I mean, it, look, if there's any any weird bet that we're going to call, it's going to be that one. Fialo by TKO or KO, he's got a puncher's chance. He's not completely out of this one, but I think we're both riding with Pereira. I think he's going to get it done. What about you, Gage? What say you? I say Pereira by TKO. I'm not calling around, never do that shit, but Pereira does it. He does an impressive fashion. He does some crazy shit. He does a backflip off the cage. Someone. Maybe maybe kiss his mom. I don't know. On the lips. Booyah, bang energy, and big booty bitches. You heard it here first. Let's go back and do the uh, Cody Stamen. I was hoping you caught that. For Cody Stamen to come in as an underdog here, um, I'm actually pretty shocked, Zach. Plus 166 um, inside Nurmagomedov Madoff coming back at minus 186. Not a heavy favorite, but pretty sizable favorite, um, especially the way that I see this. Um, if I mean, if you're going Stamen, you're going long haul. You're going the fight goes to decision, which you probably don't want any, 
action at minus 240. But Stamen wins by decision. Come down here. My bad. Plus 260. You couple those together, and you might might get yourself a nice little prop bet in there. Zach, how do you see your boy Sayed Nurmagomedov Medov making waves here? Um, I think also by decision. I think it's interesting. He opened at minus 245 and is all the way down under minus 200. So your boy Stamen's actually getting a lot of respect. You know, I, I see where that's coming from. The dude wrestles like a motherfucker. And both of these guys are just tough as a son of a bitch. I mean, I, I think that this fight is definitely going to go to a decision because I don't see either one getting out of there. You know, best chance would be Nermagameda via body shot or something crazy like that, but odds of that are not great. So Nermagamedov wins by decision at plus 120. Sounds a lot better than the minus 196. So that's what I'm going to play. Well, I might throw a shot in the dark at Stamen wins by submission. A shocker for plus 2,800. Holy shit. Just a just a dot dart in the dark, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if that hits, that'll be pick of the year so far. That'll, I mean, that'll hold I, pick of the year for a minute. Fuck, I'll throw ten bucks on it, make two eighty. That works for me. All right, Zach, yell me a fucking drink if that hits. Or two. Or three. Speaking works of for four. Me. Oh, you're a whore. <laughs> Co-main event. We have the champion, newly minted Brandon Figueredo. Fuck me. Fuck me. That is definitely Brandon Moreno. We have the champion, Brandon Moreno, versus Davidson Figueredo, number three. The boys are running back to Trilogy. First time was a draw. The second time was a decisive victory in dominant fashion by Brandon, the assassin baby Moreno. He's coming in at 19-5-2, the Mexican-born champion, the first in the UFC history. Second, maybe. Cain Velasquez was born in Mexico. Uh, he's coming at 5-7 with 70-inch reach. And Davidson Figueiredo is coming at 22-1. He's coming in at 5-5 with a 68-inch reach. This flyweight championship uh, promises to have Sparks yet again for the third time. The first fight was absolute banger. Absolute banger. These guys went to town on each other. Second fight, Brandon Moreno came with a game plan. And he, he fucking did the damn thing, did he not? He did the fucking thing. And he took that belt from Davidson. Um, I see it going the same as the second fight. I think Brandon Moreno really cracked the code against Davidson Figueredo. And, you know, it comes down to simple. Who is going to be the guy pressuring forward? The first fight, even though it was a draw, um, regardless of the point taken, Davidson Figueredo would have won that fight because he was pressuring. And he throws those power shots, right? Uh, for a 125, that's his game plan. He throws big looping shots and puts people out. Now, in second fight, Bram Moreno came back, put a beating on him because he had the pressure. He had the octagon control, and he was coming forward. Devinson Figueredo could not throw those power shots when he was on his back foot. And 
I think the big thing was was the takedowns on both fights. Brandon Moreno definitely won the grappling. So, you know, I see the quick boxing, kickboxing that Brandon Moreno has, technicalities, um, just going to work again, just like the second fight. Well, here we are again, where I see it completely differently. I was largely impressed by the debut, excuse me, of Coach Henry Cejudo when freaking Rose Namayunas versus Zhang Wei Li, two happened. And I'm st- I'll go to my grave. Look, not that it really matters, not that anybody cares, but Zhang Wei Li won that fight in my book. Enough said. But her takedown and takedown defense, her ground game, looks significantly better than it had in the past. Obviously, she still got taken down a couple of times. There were still a couple of mistakes. But that was not her strength. That was not where she was any good. And she looked leagues better when she started working out with Cejudo. Figueredo comes into this match with a grappling background. I mean, with a re- I mean, not grappling background. He's not all-world BJJ like Rodolfo Vieira. But he's choked out his fair share of dudes. He's a good wrestler. He's a big dude in the division. He's got good takedown defense. I don't know how to explain the second fight. Other than Anomaly, I think both of these guys are going to try their fair share of takedowns in this fight. I don't think either one of them is going to see much success. I think this fight looks a lot similar to the first fight where they trade exchanges on the feet. It'll go back and forth. Both of them will win exchanges. I think it'll come down to a close decision. And I think Coach Cejudo gets redemption. I think Figgy gets his belt back by like, very close, controversial, but unanimous decision. And I think just oddly enough, we're going to be have put in that position where we have to see what the UFC does. You know, do we do a fourth fight? Do we just keep running this one back or do we let someone else fight for the belt? Or it's the Max and Volkanovsky paradox. What do we do now? Well, I mean, I think the first fight proved something. Um, to both fighters, even though they're 125ers and knockouts are pretty rare in 125. Um, Brandon Moreno has the chin of all chins in that division. And I think he put in display. He took everything that Davidson had and took it to the bank. He said, all right, come on, come again. Let's do this. We're going to stand here and we're going to bang, right? But, and like, that didn't win him the fight. But when he noticed that he's on the back foot, he can't throw those power shots, and he's not going to pick you apart boxing from the back foot. So that's the key to my fight. Whoever is pressuring here, I think is going to win the fight. Um, and I think if I could bet on that, I'd bet everything I got. Whoever is fucking winning the, the pressure and the octagon control is going to win this fucking fight. Here's, here's a factor for me, and I, I'm not sure that this is one that everybody touches on. But Henry Cejudo used to fight at flyweight. I think that that's going to be enormous in the fact that usually Davidson Figueredo has a horrible time making weight, looks like shit after he makes weight. And, you know, honestly, that probably is a trick. I mean, you know, plays in a factor, at least into his performance in the last fight. Certainly was a factor in the first fight. He looked horrible. He looked like shit physically. But working out and being in the room constantly with somebody who knows how to make that 125 weight cut, 
I'm sure there's tips and tricks and things that he's picking up. So physically, I expect him to look better. And I, I expect him to be more prepared to play this fight to the long run. You know, I, attitude-wise, I'm sure he wants to go out there and kill him. He's a, he's a pretty angry dude. God of War, Dice Daguerre, like, he's a pretty angry dude. The press conferences, he's he's a pretty, you know, scary guy. But I'd Don't like to wrong. see him prepared for five. Don't get me wrong, dude. I love me some Davidson Figueroa. I think he's one, probably one of the most fight, exciting fighters in that division. And, you know, I called for him last time. Go back, watch the video. I said that Davidson was a win. Came out flat. Came out like shit. But, you know, he learned some lessons. Hopefully he can come back, maybe get his belt back. But, I mean, the boxing, the technicality in the boxing that Brandon Moreno has and his heart, his heart is probably underrated. You know, there's some intangibles in MMA, and I think Brandon Moreno probably has all of them. Um, especially since, like, his path to becoming the champion has just been, you know, really off kilter. You know, you don't see that very much, right? No, I mean, I agree. He's an inspiring dude, and I have nothing but nice things to say about him as a person. I just think – I think we're going to see a revamped Figueredo. I think we're going to see, you know, a more similar guy to what we saw in fight one, but something completely different all at the same time. Definitely not similar nearly to what he looked like the second time around. Whether that's enough to beat Moreno is what I'm banking on. But, you know, he, Moreno's a good fighter. I could certainly, like I said, I see this one being very close and, you know, probably controversial. Probably, you know, something we end up having to talk about next week on CKE number 30, I believe. I think we're breaking the train dust. That's right. On the betting end, let's make us some money, Zach. All right. We have the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno, the champion, coming in as a slight favorite, minus 175, um, to retain his belt. And on the other side, we have Davidson Figueroa, the former champion, coming at plus 157 is the best you can get him at. Um, you know, I mean – that's pretty much as close as a toss-up as you're going to get for a trilogy um, championship fight like this, man. I mean, no, I, I don't think there's anybody calling for one or the other pretty staunchly besides ourselves. But, you know, I think this is probably going to go all five rounds considering the nature of um, the flyweight division. And just being a 125-pound man is pretty scary. Damn. You want to hear something crazy? What? So the odds for this fight opened September 21st. And Moreno opened as a minus 185 favorite. He's only dropped down to minus 178. I mean, this fight, Vegas pretty much hit the hammer or hit the nail on the head with this one, man. They got two birds stoned at once. I mean, Brandon Moreno seems in everybody's head to be right under that two-to-one favorite, which, I mean, for my sake, for my case, shit, make him three-to-one. I mean, give me, give me my plus money because I think Figueredo is going to do it here. But looking at the props, plus 134 for just generally, just flat-out fight goes to decision. Love it, man. Love it. I think and that's then, easy money. 
And then look down here, Figueredo wins by decision is plus 500. I mean, shit. Don't tempt right. me with a good time. All right. Both of these are nice. I don't know why they're so fucking high. I mean, I'm so, I, I don't know who, like, don't fucking bet the money line on this one. If you're not confident, bet this shit. Fucking hedge your, hedge your shit again. Plus 275, plus 500. You're fucking making money there all day. I don't give a fuck who you are. You don't, be the rain, you don't have to be the rain man. Amen to that. Enough said. <clears throat> Enough fucking said. That's good shit right there, Zach. I mean, I, look, as much as I love to agree with you, I love to disagree a little bit more. A disagreement like our champion. Zzz. Two champions fighting each other. Francis and Ganu versus Surreal Gone for the big boys, the heavyweights, the 265-pound giants, the Predator versus Bon Gamin. We have Francis and Ganu coming at 16 and 3 on an absolute tear, knocking everybody out that he fucking sees in the octagon. Pound for pound, the scariest man on planet Earth. Might as well call him Goliath. Uh, he's coming at 263, two pounds under the heavyweight limit at 6'4 and an 83-inch reach. His former sparring partner um, from France, Rogan, is coming in at a pristine 10-0. Now, he hasn't been knocking everybody out, but boy, there's not a more fluid athlete that's fought at heavyweight, minus John Jones, who hasn't fought, um, and the heavyweight division. The interim champ is, champ is coming in at 247, 6'4", with the 83-inch reach. These guys are the fucking prototypes for absolute beasts. These guys go play in the NFL, NBA, NHL. I don't give a fuck. They can go play soccer. That's how good of athletes they are. Of course, you know Francis. He's looking for that one-punch knockout. But we saw patient Francis out there last time versus um, Stipe Miocic. And that was one of the scariest knockouts I think I've ever seen. And the other scariest knockouts I've ever seen also come from him. He has the touch of death. He doesn't even have to connect fully to put people's lights out. Bon Gamin, Cyril Gone, on the other hand, the interim champ, fluid. He's in and out kickboxing. He's, I don't know, he's just keeping his distance. Getting in, getting out, not really putting people's lights out. Beat a fucking very good Derek Lewis the last time out. Heavy hitter like Francis, although they're different. But Zach, I've been going back and forth all week. I don't know who the fuck to pick here. This is, this is gonna be a banger. Uh, I'm look. I, I made a weird face because usually we like to have a little fun on the cap kick experience. You know, slam some beers, make some jokes, maybe shit on a guy or two. But I'm like super serious about this one. I'm like very intrigued. First of all, to hear Gage's opinion. Very intrigued to hear from the public. So if you agree, disagree, feel something, think something, drop us a comment. Because I think this is as close to, I mean, just a toss-up as a fight as we've had in a long time, which I find strange, and I'll make my argument, because I, I favor Francis Ngannou pretty heavily here. I think the thing I like most about Francis is that, I mean, for the past three years, it seems like, Everybody talks about the one-punch knockout power, but Francis has developed so much, 
and he looks different every time he comes out. He looks like a different fighter every time he steps on the mat, which is a hard to track, you know, in terms of evolution, because we only get to see him once a year, you know, maybe twice a year if we're fucking lucky. He's like Santa Claus. So it's like to think about Francis the last time we saw him, you have to think back to last March when he fought Stipe, which I, I, I do bring people's attention to the fact that Stipe Miocic is a pretty highly touted MMA wrestler in the heavy division. He's the, the GOAT of can, the heavyweight division. The dude can fucking grapple too, though. And Francis was stuffing his takedowns. I don't I think the only reason Francis didn't launch one of his own was because Stipe Stipe. But my, my whole point here is that Surreal Gone circles. I hear a lot of people online, a lot of you know, contrary opinions in favor of Gone that say. Oh, this is going to look like the Jarzinho fight. Francis is just going to stand there. You know, Gon's going to touch-touch or like Derek Lewis get him backed up against the cage. Francis is going to be frazzled. You know how you stop the freaking circling around, the dancing around, the kickboxing? Take the page out of Calvin Cater's book from last week. Pressure, get in the dude's face. Francis will be in his face the whole fucking fight, man. And I think that, you know, Surreal Gon's in good shape, good chin. He can take a Francis punch or two. But there's nobody on this fucking planet that can take five or six or seven or ten. Nobody's going five rounds with that guy. Did you just say a punch or two? Yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're smoking out of there, Zach, but, I mean, that must be some good shit because I haven't seen one person yet that can take a punch from Francis. That's fucking ballsy. Look, I'm just saying that a lot of people are like, you know, Cyril gone. He, what, what would happen? That, that's the hypothetical I get. If Francis hits him one time and he doesn't go lights out. Nothing in my book. I don't think it matters. Because I think Francis, if he can connect once, can connect ten times. Okay, maybe so. Um, I I mean, to get a more analytical breakdown, the way that – because this is – we haven't seen anything like this before. Um, Francis is a unicorn in his own right, um, just because he has power and he's he's athletic, right? I mean, he he's not a Derek Lewis has power kind of guy, right? He's different. He's completely different. Now, Cyril Gunn is a unicorn all in his own fucking universe. This guy, his movements, his his ability, his technicalities, his skills in all assets of MMA – is amazing, but I have to go back and think about a boxing match because at the end of the day, this is not going to the ground. I don't think either guy wants it to go to the ground. Look, I think Francis will shoot. I don't know if it'll get there, but I think at some point in the fight, Francis will try. Francis will try, but although Cyril Gon's submissions are actually underrated, he's very good on the ground. Um, but where I was going was as Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. We have to think about is Deontay Wilder in those fights, he had the one-punch eraser. All he had to do was hit Tyson Fury once, and then that it was all over. That was what everybody was saying, right? But that didn't happen, even though, you know, boxing is a completely different sport. Tyson Fury won the fight with skill, with movement. And, you know, when you're – when you're doing a martial art like this, mixed martial arts, 
movement is key. It's about not getting hit and hitting the other person. You know, everyone wants to see the punch, the knockout, whatever, but it's all about scoring points at the end of, end of the day. And I think Cyril Garn can do that. You know, I hate to go with it because I'm a big Francis fan. I love to watch Francis. But Cyril just has that style that can win fights on the scorecards. No, I, I 100% agree. I think Cyril Garn will come in with a good game plan. You know, MMA Factory, Joe Lopez – I think he comes from a good camp. That's the same camp that Francis came from. I think he's going to come in, obviously, with, I mean, what he needs to do to beat Francis. These dudes freaking sparred together for several years. But I think that part of what people forget when they note that for Surreal Gone is that Francis was there too. So everything that Surreal Gone knows about Francis, Francis Ngannou knows the same amount about Surreal Gone. I think it's an interesting paradox to see how they prepare for one another. But I liked your analogy. I liked the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury comparison because, like you said, boxing and MMA are different sports. In the last Wilder v. Fury fight, Wilder dropped Tyson Fury, I think, twice, at least once. If Francis Ngannou drops Surreal Gone and doesn't knock him out cold, those hammer fists are coming and sending him straight to hell, my friend. That I mean, that's over. Man, yeah. You can't hammer fist in boxing. Yeah. I think my last little tidbit is how patient is Francis going to be? I think he's going to sit there and he's just going to get circled for a couple rounds. And then we'll see what, what actually a fight's going to look like. If he can sit there and trade with him and be technical and just, in and out, but it's. I think that Francis is going to get frustrated. That's just my thoughts. Um, but let's see what the odds makers say. Let's look at it. Let's do it. All right. The main event comes down to this, Zach. Surreal gone. Minus 150 favorite for the challenger. The incumbent Francis Ngannou coming at plus 132. This is not something you see all the time. It, it's very rare that the champion is the underdog. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, look, never seen it before. I, as far as I'm concerned, I've never seen it before. And we might see it again when Jan fights Sterling, but where the interim champion is the favorite and the sitting champion is the underdog. I, I guarantee the odds for goes to decision – are going to be pretty tasty. Yeah, gone wins by decision plus 300. It's gone down, actually. Huh. Third, Fernand, Joe Lopez, I called the guy. Hey, what did we say earlier about the uh, first fight? Plus oh, 20, let, me, let me check. Plus 2,800 for Ngannou win by submission versus plus like 200 for Vieira. No, look, it was Ngannou wins by submission in the first round is plus 10,000, and it was plus 300 for Vieira. Oh, my God. That's crazy, dude. I mean, just, just to put in perspective how good my man is at jiu-jitsu, let's see. I'm looking it up right now. I don't know, but this fight, I mean, Gon could win by TKO, KO. But it's just not going to be out clean like Ngannou would be. Plus 170 is actually not bad. 
especially especially for an underdog. You couple those two together, you're, you might make some bread. But I just Look, don't that's, know. My whole plan right now, from a betting perspective, is a good little tease with Francis Ngannou and Figueroa, and hoping that both of them end up winning from a dog spot. Well, <sighs> you're going with the underdogs. I'm going with the favorites. I know we're flipping roles here in 2022. I'm usually the underdog guy, but I just can't see. Sir, I mean, I can see Sorrell gone getting knocked out, but he's just so goddamn smooth. He fucking moves around the octagon like fucking 155 or it's fantastic to watch. I mean, um, there's a great video of him rolling on the pads and he literally he looks like a welterweight. It's it's incredible. But I think the bottom line here is that both of these guys are getting better on a consistent basis. We don't have any idea how much untapped potential either one of these guys has. Gone is probably, you know, more untapped because he's younger. He got into the sport at a younger age. I have no doubt that he will be the heavyweight champion of the world someday, but that day will not be Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. Francis Ngannou, the Predator, is going to unify. And at that point, Dana White's going to be in a predicament because he doesn't want to fight here anymore, and you can't have your heavyweight champion vacate the belt to go box. And that's it for another edition. Except we have five more minutes. We have our bullshit breakdown, five-minute countdown. Look, I'm about to turn on the Space Jam freaking beat and go on a freestyle for y'all please don't CKE style for the love of god please do not in my cowboy hat you don't want to hear me hippity hop i would hate my life so much you know i can you know i can flow bro don't want it don't want it at all set that fucking timer dog oh let's see if i even remember how to do that i feel like it's been so long since last week Cinco minutes. Five minutes on the clock. Hit it. All right. UFC 271, uh, the next pay-per-view in February. It only has three main card events so far. Ken Nier versus Bronson. Of course, Izzy versus Whitaker for a championship. And then uh, two Taya Vasa versus Derek Lewis. Do you think that they're going to add Diaz versus Poirier? Absolutely not. I mean, unless it's something that they're just hot trying to be sneaky about, I think at this point it's way too late for either one of those guys to get into camp and train for a fight. Dana basically already denied it. I think if Diaz versus Poirier is coming, it's going to come and they're going to schedule it for May. But I don't actually know who's headlining the May pay-per-view card, so that actually might be convenient for all parties involved, but Dana said publicly we're contracted to give these guys three fights a year, so if Nate wants to fight, he'll get a fight. Excited to see what that means. I mean, you never know. Um, Well, I I think it might happen sooner or later because they were targeting 271. 271's needing some top-level Top level talent um, for the main event or main card. Um, I just 
I just think that, you know, since neither of them are going to have to cut very much weight, they could put it on, and they've been talking about it for a while. So, I think 271 kind of has the style and the attitude that I think the UFC could incorporate a little bit more because you have the championship fight, and, you know, if, if Robert Whitaker wins, obviously we have, to, we have to do the trilogy. But if Izzy wins, the number one contender fight is the co-main event. Like, they're in the same room. They'll be at the same press conference. Like, there will certainly be an atmosphere where perhaps a backstage skirmish, a scruffle could happen. I mean, things are, things are going to be in, in place. And then Tai Tuivasa versus Derek Lewis – those fuckers are going to bang, my friend. Be, be, I mean, I wouldn't say 100%, but be prepared to throw a shoe. Bring an extra one. I might just throw a boot. I don't fucking know. Um, Masvidal versus Covington got announced. How are you feeling about that one? What's your temp? Look, I, I'm scared to lean too far Covington. Like, there's too much. Maybe they're just building it. You know, I, I don't think that that's the way Masvidal rolls. I think that there's genuinely so much bad blood between the two of them that it's hard, at least at this point for me. You know, my gut says Colby Covington's a lot better at mixed martial arts nowadays. But Masvidal has knocked plenty of people out in the past, sent them to the shadow realm. And, you know, I think he's training his ass off differently than he ever has. I think this one is so much more personal than Kamaru Usman ever was to him. You know, I just, I, I feel like it's fabricated um, because I've seen the videos and they're training partners for a long, long time. I have a hard time believing that they hate each other and that they're just not doing this for a money grab. Um, just, just riddle me this, just tickle my pickle for a second. Imagine if you and I, and obviously it's different going back as far as we do. I mean, shit, we're in the double digits now. CK viewers, like probably no engaged for 12 years, 13 years. Imagine if just out of nowhere, we started hating the shit out of each other. And somebody told us that we got to settle our differences in a fist fight. I don't know about you, but I'd be training my ass off and trying to kill you. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see it, but I don't know. It, it always seems like Mazadol's the little brother. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'll go to this a later date, but I want to see that BMF title on the fucking line. And I know you do too. I think everybody does. Fuck it. Bring it back. You know what's interesting? I agree with you. Uh, obviously, again, we'll talk about it later. I think Mazadol is past the point where he can fight Colby Covington and have success. But, uh, I don't know, man. I usually argue for the BMF belt, which is hilarious because you pointed it out. But weirdly enough, since this is like the the headliner on the pay-per-view, there's no belt. There's no title fight. When's the last time that there's been a non-title fight besides uh, McGregor? I think that was it. I think it was McGregor and Nate Diaz. No, No, it was Masvidal and Nate Diaz. Oh, the BMF belt. That's the last time it wasn't a McGregor uh, headliner. That wasn't the main event. I don't think though. it was. It was. Huh. Forty four. How interesting. How interesting. So I think they're going to put the BMF 
fell up. I could, I think the storyline goes along with it. I think that all the marbles are in place. Chael Sennum loves to talk about the BMF every fucking week. And I think he's actually going to get his wish. Shout out Chael Sonnen. Look, I love the BMF belt, but I think it makes it tacky. I think it takes away from the storyline of we hate each other. Oh, and that's Cinco de Minutos. Uh, well, let's see. This is number 29. We've officially been doing this for about eight months now. Hopefully getting a little bit better. Hopefully rising in the follower and subscriber count and hopefully putting some money in your pocket the same way we're putting money in our pockets. I'm Zach. That's Gage over there. And this is another episode of the Cat Kick Experience. Signing out. Signing out.